0: Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Soledago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about the medicine of five different evergreen trees. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, Let's have some fun and dig in. There are five evergreen trees that I like to harvest the needles, pitch, and or berries from for medicine. These are pine, juniper, spruce, fir, and cedar trees. Now, one of my biggest pet peeves, maybe not my biggest, but a pet peeve is when people call all evergreen trees pine trees. They're not. (laughs) Pinus is a genus of pine trees. And then there's lots of other trees that stay green year round that are evergreen, but are not in the Pinus genus. And it's important that we know that and learn the distinctions and really get to know the evergreen trees that grow around us. It's also important to know the one Poisonous evergreen plant it's actually usually more like a shrub or a very small tree and that is the u y e w tree or shrub and it looks very similar to a spruce or a fir tree except it has red berries on it sometimes and the deer tend to like it and nibble at it but for humans it's not great there is a um pharmaceutical drug that's made from the yew trees. But again, it's not one that we want to make medicine with ourselves. So make sure that you always have your trees 100% assuredness identified before you start working with them. And I will give you some tips along the way as to how you might be able to identify your evergreen trees. Now, these are the main evergreen trees that grow around me here in down east Maine, but there's lots of other evergreen trees out there. I can think of hemlock off the top of my head, which I don't have growing around here, so I don't have experience with. So if you have other evergreen trees in your neck of the woods, then you know get to know them and see if they have been useful traditionally for medicine or other needs. You'll notice as we go that the top five medicinal evergreen trees that I'm going to be talking about have many properties in common. This is mostly due to their volatile oil or aromatic oil content. And this is what gives these trees their wonderful scent and flavors, as well as their medicine. These forest-scented oils are what the trees use to protect themselves from predators, including animals, insects, bacteria, fungi, and viruses. And they're generally anti-infective because of this, or antimicrobial. You know, they fight other forms of life. Along with them, those volatile oils or aromatic oils being anti-infective, they also generally are antispasmodic, warming, astringent, and decongestant. And you'll find this a lot with aromatic oils of other plants, like in the mint family of plants or the aromatic seeds. They generally are antispasmodic, very often they are warming, though not necessarily, and they are decongestant. They're really beneficial at breaking up uh, mucus, and they're all antimicrobial by nature. So for these trees, for again, generally speaking, these trees with these really beautiful aromatic scents, they are beneficial for our digestive health. Because they can ease like the cramping from gas or having a hard time digesting or assimilating moving fiber through the body. They make a really nice complement to a digestive bitter formula because they are warming, carminative, which means that they help to expel gas. And they kind of help to warm up and increase circulation through the digestive system and blood to the intestines. And they also offer unique sour and bitter flavors, which are both really helpful in bitter formulas. There is a podcast episode about bitters uh, that I did a while ago earlier this fall, so you can check that out for more information on making your own herbal bitters. Now, generally speaking, these trees for immune health because of their antimicrobial action of their air of their aromatic oils they can fight colds and flus bronchitis urinary tract infections and infected wounds different evergreens seem to fight infections in different organs or body systems depending on each tree's affinity and we'll get into that and then also generally speaking for respiratory health The evergreen aromatic oils really help to open and relax restricted and tight lungs to make breathing easier. They help the sinuses and the lungs to thin and expel excess mucus, and they fight infections that may be residing in the sinus and lung tissue. They also help to relieve a spasmodic cough because of their antispasmodic properties and these are really beneficial like you can even just um, vaporize in a steam the aromatic oils into your living space and even that alone could be uh, therapeutic for any sort of lung infection as long as you can smell those aromatic oils you know that you are taking them into your body Also, you could make a tea with them and that harnesses those aromatic oils and sip that tea. Or you could even make a body oil by infusing the aromatic parts of the trees into an oil carrier base and then applying that on top of the lungs or even a little bit right under the nose so that you are constantly smelling those aromatic oils. Again, my preference is to stay away from the super concentrated essential oils and to make your own infused oils with the natural scents using natural scent therapy or steaming the aromatic oils directly from the plants and not from super concentrated essential oils. Topically, the evergreen pitch from various trees prevent infections and improve wound repair. The pitch is what the trees use to repair their wounds that have occurred at their trunk or branches. And the pitch contains these really strong aromatic oils that prevent infections from taking hold. So that pitch is really beautifully scented, very concentrated in the aromatic oils, but also has that sticky resinous consistency that helps to heal over the wounds. And Uh, You can make like a healing salve for your wounds with adding some pitch in there that will help, that will like warm and dissolve into warm oil and warm oil and beeswax uh, to make your own salve. If you just apply it topically or start working with pitch on its own, it just gets like so sticky and it's really messy and it can stick and stain to your clothes and it's you know, ideally, if you kind of dilute it into a carrier oil by warming them together, that's more helpful. So volatile oils can be hard on the liver and kidneys when they're ingested in relatively large amounts over a long time. And that's because it's our liver that processes them and our kidneys that have to excrete them. And so this is one reason why I like to avoid using essential oils because they are so concentrated in these volatile oils and can be really hard over a period of time on our lungs, on our livers and kidneys. Our lungs also do some of the excreting of the essential oils as well. Uh, However, you know, in the natural form and ratios and amounts straight from the herb material, it's not as harsh. But again, if you're, you know, using a lot of therapeutic doses of these really aromatic trees over a long period of time. It's just something to be aware of, especially if you already have um, any liver or kidney issues. Evergreens are also really commonly understood and known to be a good source of vitamin C, especially in the winter when little wild fresh food is available. And this was you know, historically, there's all kinds of stories about indigenous folks teaching the early settlers how to harness the vitamin C just by basically nibbling on the evergreen needles um, to help to prevent scurvy or other, you know, diseases that could come from having not enough vitamin C in the diet. And pine trees are one of the ones that I feel like is most understood to have that history. So the eastern white pine, Pinus strobus, is what grows around me. And these trees have long needles in groups of five. And each of the needle has a white stripe down the middle. And they have the classic, really large, long, elongated pine cones. And there's lots of different Pine trees, as I was saying, it's a genus, pinus. Um, and they, from my understanding, they can be used relatively interchangeably. They do have different scents and flavors to them. Um, and I think the white pine, eastern white pine, is probably one of the more popular ones to be useful medicinally. So to harvest, it's really, you know, in the wind, the wind storms, these pine trees tend to break a lot of small limbs or even twigs in really windy storms. So after you go outside after a windstorm, if you know where there are some pine trees, underneath the pine trees, you'll often be able to find leaf, fallen branches or needles that have small twigs attached to them. And those can all just be harvested right off the ground as long as they seem quite fresh and they're not already browning or, you know, looking kind of old and worn. And those can be useful for making remedies with. The pine pitch can be harvested from a wound on the tree, but you want to make sure that you leave enough of the pitch on the tree to continue to protect its wound. So you can take off, you know, usually there'll be like kind of bubbled clumps. And so you can kind of skim off some of those clumps of pitch or the parts that have kind of, oozed down the tree, but you don't want to re-expose the wound. Benefits of the pine needles and twigs, as I was saying, you know, they offer general lung support, cough relief, they're anti-infective, and they help to relieve symptoms of colds and flus. And the pine pitch, as I was saying, could be made into an oil-based salve and applied to wounds directly as an anti-infective and to shorten the healing time. So I really like just to make a simple pine needle tea for easing coughs. If I'm feeling like I have a cold or a cold coming on um, for in cases of flus or in cases of excessive congestion in the sinuses it really does make an enjoyable tasting tea. It's like slightly sweet and slightly piney, so to speak. Um, and so you just want to chop the needles. And if you put a little twigs in there, that's fine too. The twigs are going to offer like a stronger, a little bit more bitter taste. And put about a tablespoon of chopped fresh pine per every cup of boiling water in a teapot or a ball jar and then let it steep for, you know, anywhere between 20 minutes and 60 minutes. So you boil your water, you know, for every cup you think you're going to drink, put a tablespoon of the freshly chopped pine, cover it with boiling water, and then you want to put a lid on that while it steeps to keep the aromatic oils in your cup or in your teapot. If you want to make something stronger or say like a syrup of pine, then you can actually simmer the pine in the water at the same ratio until you get a really nice flavorful beverage and then Um, You can strain and enjoy at that point, or you can add, you know, you can really concentrate it down so that you make a really strong water decoction, and then you can add a bunch of honey to it. Usually it's equal parts honey and water to make your syrup. You can make an herbal steam. Uh, Again, as I was talking, you just put a bunch of pine in a pot of boiling water, remove it from the heat, put a lid on it, let it steep for a little bit, and then carefully, without burning yourself, take the lid off and make a tent with a towel and breathe in those vapors. Just don't get too close at first because you don't want to burn yourself with the steam. And keep your eyes closed. A pine tincture, is really nice, you could do a pine needle vinegar or a pine needle oxymel, which is a honey and vinegar combination. I like to use apple cider vinegar and pine needles. And that oxymels, which are the honey and vinegar, apple cider vinegar combo, tend to have an affinity for lungs. So if you have this cough or like a long-term bronchial issue or you just feel like you need to break up mucus or even fight an infection in the cough, in the lungs, then taking spoonfuls of an oxamel could be really beneficial. Or you could add it to a beverage or salad dressings or marinades. It's really good. So I tend to um, let my oxamels sit for four to six weeks before straining them out. Vinegar is really good at extracting the nutrients. So it's quite possible that if you make it with the fresh pine needles, you might get some of the vitamin C in there, but you'll also get other minerals and vitamins as well into your vinegar. And then the pine pitch salve, um, you know, I think there's probably lots of recipes on YouTube that you could find, but essentially you wanna, you know, harvest your pitch and then freeze it so it's easier to work with. It won't be as sticky. And then once it's frozen, you can remove it from the freezer and you wanna like wrap it in a cloth and pulverize it with a hammer. And then add it to oil that's already warm in a double boiler water bath. And then add a little beeswax um, until it melts. And then you just want to test the salve by dipping a cold spoon into the warm liquid. Allow it to cool or put it in the fridge just so you can see what the consistency of your salve will be like. And if you want it to be thinner, add more oil. If you want it to be thicker, add more wax. But ideally, don't add too much of either of those things because you don't want to dilute your pitch too much. You want to make sure it has a nice Scent to it. So if it has a really weak scent, then you can add more pitch. You could also make like a pine incense where you would dry needles and grind them in a coffee grinder and then warm up the pitch with a little oil, just a little bit of oil to thin it, and then combine the powder and the oil together until the paste forms and then roll them into small cones. Allow them to dry for multiple days to multiple weeks and then. You can light the tip of the cone and blow out the flame and just let it smoke as incense. Another evergreen, and here they grow as shrubs, are junipers. And all juniper species can be used interchangeably. They have the one thing that really strikes me about the junipers is they have these really tiny, very like sharp and almost irritating needles, and then these beautiful, both green and blue berries on them. They tend to be low growing shrubs around where I am, or they can even also be upright small trees. You can find them at plant nurseries if you want to plant them at your house. The juniper is dioecious, which means that there are both male and female plants. So only the female plants have berries. So if you're in an area where you're like, where are all the berries? Then it must be an area with like all male plants. And so if you're going to be planting them for yourselves, it's good to make sure that you check and make sure that if you have the dioecious kind that you have both a male and a female plant so that you will get berries. Juniper berries and needles are warming and they make a really nice digestive bitter or addition to an adjust- a digestive bitter. They have a little bit of sour and sweet and aromatic as well. I mostly use the needles. I don't really, u- I mean, I'm sorry, I mostly use the berries And sometimes the needles just are part and parcel. They just come along with the berries. So that's not a problem, but I don't really focus on the needles. The berries are interesting because it can take them two or more years to ripen. So the green berries aren't yet ripe, and I only harvest and use the blue berries. And if you try the blueberries and you take a little taste of them, it, ha- it just is this beautiful, aromatic, light, fresh flavor with like a slightly sweet, and it's mostly just this like blue skin around a pretty big seed, and there's a tiny bit of flesh in there, um, but, the you know, if you've ever tasted gin, it definitely has like that essence to it because, um, well, gin is originally flavored with juniper berries. juniper. Is Again, it's anti-infective, and it has an affinity. Now, this one has an affinity more for the kidneys and the urinary tract, whereas the pine was more of an affinity for the lungs. So chronic UTIs or any sort of infection or issues with um, flow, then juniper can be helpful. Juniper berries, and again, it's nothing that, you know, in excess amounts they might be a little challenging for the kidneys because of the aromatic oils, but in a low therapeutic dose, they can be anti-infective. And it's something that you'd want to take for a shorter amount of times. So it's nothing that you want to be on like, oh, I get chronic UTIs. I'm just going to be a juniper hound for the rest of my life. Um, well, hopefully, you know, you wouldn't have to be because the juniper would just nip it in the bud and then you wouldn't need it anymore. So that's the goal. Small amounts in therapeutic doses and then stop using it for a while and then juniper also can relieve coughs and colds and flus the way that it's worked with um, it can be added to food either fresh dried or powdered berries are really known to be nice in seasoning fish and wild game and sauerkraut or for flavoring gin. The tea is nice for digestive health. Has like those aromatic constituents. If you have any digestive cramping or upset belly, and then also can fight the urinary tract infections as well as a juniper berry tincture. Now, if you are out harvesting juniper or if you're weeding plant grass out of ju- your juniper bushes. If you are a landscape gardener, you probably know this pretty well. Juniper rash is a real thing. And the needles are like really sharp. And I don't know, maybe it's the aromatic oils in them or what it is. But something about it, when it after a while of it contacting bare skin, it's very likely that you'll get a rash. And it doesn't last a long time. It's a little burny, a little itchy. So... It's best to wear, you know, long sleeves and even gloves if your hands are sensitive and you're going to be really in the juniper bush for a while. The next trees, the next two trees that I want to talk about are pretty much used interchangeably and are often, I would say, confused out in the wild. So it's the spruce trees, which are Picea species, and the fir trees, which are Abies species. A really nice way to remember them is sharp spruce and flat fir or friendly fir. So the spruce trees, when you touch them, you're kind of like, ow, those are really sharp needles and they're pointing and they're kind of roundish and they're pointing out at me. The fir trees are a lot friendlier. The needles lie flat. And instead of going like all the way around the twig, they just kind of lie flat on either side of the twig. And the needles themselves are flat as well. And I personally think that the fir, especially, well, the balsam fir trees, which is your classic Christmas tree, has the best scent to it. Um, And so that's my preference over the spruce. I feel like the spruce is a little bit more intense, least scented and maybe more bitter in flavor so spruce and fir trees like I said they can pretty much be used in the same ways and I prefer to use the tips of the new growth for herbal preparations so this is a plant you can harvest it in the winter if you're really looking to make some fresh herbal remedies in the winter that's why working with these evergreen trees is so fun But if you really want those tender tips, especially if you're going to be incorporating them into food or, um, you know, they have a lot of scent to them probably to protect that new young growth. So those nice new fluorescent green tender tips that grow in, you know, late spring and early summer are really what you're looking for. And the trees, I mean, I think it's relatively easy to harvest these tips sustainably. Just don't take all of the new growth tips, but these t- trees grow really fast, at least here, and they're pretty much more of a weed than dandelion is here. So that's there is an abundance for sure. Benefits of the spruce and fir trees are uh, fighting coughs and lung and sinus congestion. Uh, aiding in digestion, relieving gas and cramping, and mildly anti-infective. I find the smell delights the soul and brings joy, especially of the balsam tree. You can get balsam-filled uh, n- pillows, balsam needle-filled pillows, or sachets that I find are really nice for just putting in like the sheet drawer, the bed sheet drawer, or mixing in with towels or just. It actually does repel moths as well, similar to cedar balls. So it's nice, you could make like a seasoning or a seasoned salt or sugar with these green tips by, you can just finely chop them fresh and then blend them with either sugar or salt and then lay that out on a tray to dry before you store it. You can make a tea with the fresh or dried needles. Again, to you know for lung health or to fight infections, it's mildly anti-infective. It's really good sweetened with honey. Uh, you could do the steam. You could do an infused oil, especially the balsam fir infused oil it smells really good. And it's a nice addition to salves as like a natural scent. So instead of adding essential oils, to your salves or lotions, you could add a little bit of like the balsam fir infused oil, whether it's olive oil or almond oil or sesame oil, whatever you prefer. And then, um, yeah, especially I like adding it to plantain oil and plantain salve, which I think plantain really does not smell good, especially when you make oil from the fresh leaf plantain, but it works so well that it's nice to have a little balsam fir oil added in. And then I've I've made um, a pesto sauce, a little pesto sauce with the green tips from either spruce or fir. It's really intensely flavored. Basically, just make it the same way you'd make pesto um, with basil leaves, but just make it with um, spruce needles. And then it's really nice on like a cheese board or you know, as something that you just put a very little, like a very small condiment. It's not like a sauce, like the basil or parsley pestos make. But it is an interesting flavor to add to a cheese platter or veggie dip or as a spread. There's also a lot of recipes out there about how to add the spruce and fir needles to dough. I mean, especially around the holiday times, like to um, shortbread dough or maybe even bread dough. But it's those fresh needle tips that work best for that. So you're going to be more likely to be making those in the springtime. And similar to pine, you could make an oxymel, which is the combination of vinegar and honey. And it's also a really fun addition uh, to making cocktails and mocktails is if you make a syrup or um, a strong tea or an oxamel with the, with the fir or spruce needles and add it to some bubbly water or some booze of your choice um, and some lemon and lime wedge, maybe a little cranberry juice, something like that. It's really fun to make, you know, Christmassy or wintertime, now that Christmas has passed, um, you know, cocktail or mocktail fun. The last uh, evergreen tree that I want to talk about today is the cedar tree. Thuja species and, you know, the cedar trees out here are much smaller than the ones out west, the amazing grandparent cedar trees out west. But the cedar trees here are still lovely and Unfortunately, they're hard to plant as a landscape plant because the deer love them, unfortunately. But the cedar leaves are, have needles that are scaled and smooth and they're round tipped. And they're, they're more of a unique leaf pattern or needle pattern than the pine and the spruce and the fir and the juniper. It's very mm, smooth, a lot smoother almost appearing um, to be like a leaf instead of needles. has a very beautiful, sweet scent to it, and the bark often peels from the tree in lateral pieces, giving it kind of a stringy appearance. Cedar trees are sacred in many indigenous people's tradition traditions, They are seen to have very protective qualities to them. So benefits of the cedar needles are, again, cough and congestion relief, cold and flu relief, headache relief, and antispasmodic to stop spasms. Again, for me, it's like such a wonderful scent to work with as natural scent therapy, very calming and grounding. And also um, the moth and flea repellent, especially in sachets or wood shavings. That's why you see, you know, dog beds that are filled with cedar shavings um, or classic like cedar wood balls or hangers that go in closets to help prevent moths. So the wood, you know, I find is used a lot in For that sort of thing, but the needles also have some really beautiful scent to them. And that's what I like to work with uh, in working in making medicinal preparations. I think my favorite thing to do with the cedar needles is to infuse it in oil and to make a really lovely smelling body massage oil or moisturizing oil. But you can also make a steam. Uh, with them, similar to how I talked about with the pine and the spruce and fir. Also, uh, incense is really common with cedar, and these you can make just by bundling um, the, the fresh leaves of the cedar and tying them with string in a long incense bundle, smoke bundle, and then um, letting it dry And then you can light the end of it like you would a sage stick and let it blow out the flame and just let it smolder and release like a beautifully scented sweet smoke. A lot of people will use it to clear the mind or to uh, change the vibe of the space that they're in, both mentally and physically. So to make a cedar-infused oil, I like to fill a jar with finely chopped, freshly harvested cedar tips and cover the tips in either, it could be a, a liquid coconut oil that you've brought to a warm temperature so it's liquid, or a almond oil or sesame oil or even just a plain olive oil, not extra virgin but just a plain olive oil. The extra virgin has too much of its own scent. And then make sure that the plant material is totally covered with the oil and remains that way. otherwise it might develop some mold. And you know you can open the jar you know and then cover it with a tight lid. You can open the jar in a couple days to make sure that the herb is still covered. Um, sometimes people like to, instead of covering with a tight lid, they cover with um, multiple layers of cheesecloth. So if there is any moisture in the plant, that it would possibly evaporate out of the oil through the cheesecloth, especially if you have it in a warm place. Although you do want to keep the jar out of a sunny location, and then and also anytime you make um, infused oils, I find it's always good to put them on a lipped plate because inevitably there will be a little, especially making with fresh oil, fresh plants, there'll be a little bit of fermentation that happens and that oil will bubble up and seep out of your jar because you don't really want to have much air space in your jar. So it's going to be a pretty full jar and it will make a mess of wherever you're oil jar sitting unless you have it in like a small bowl or some sort of dish that could where that oil could pool and then after about four weeks you can strain the oil but like through a cheesecloth or a loose weave flour sack towel is what I like to use or you can line a ceramic coffee drip filter with some cloth and then place it on a jar and pour the oil through that and through the cloth and then, you know, squeeze out. You don't want to squeeze it too much because you don't want to squeeze out moisture from the plant material. But just give it a little squeeze to get that extra scented carrier oil from the plant material. And then just let your jar sit for, for a day or even just an hour or two. And you'll notice at the bottom of your jar you might see some a water bubble because you're using flesh plant material and you want to get rid of that water bottle, water bubble. And so to do that, you have to pour off the top, you know, pour off your oil until you start getting down to those water bubbles and then discard the oil that is attached to the water bubbles. You might have to do that two or three times, but you you keep doing it until there's no more water bubbles at the bottom of your oil. And that will prevent the oil from molding or fermenting further or smelling really bad and going bad. So I hope that you have some evergreen trees growing where you are and that you can get out there and take a closer look at them and see who they are. And smell them and see what smells they may have to impart. See if you can go out there and find some yew trees and identify those. The yew um, doesn't have a smell from my recollection. And that's kind of those classic shrubs that are planted along foundations of houses and and are pruned to be like square or round or very, you know, Unnatural looking pruning. So you can check those out or are made into hedges. So know your yew trees and know not to use those. And then find your other more medicinal aromatic trees and have some fun with it. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave me a rating. I would love a five star rating if you're in the mood. And or a short review, even if it's a word or two or a quick sentence, that um, really helps my podcast get more noticed and get out there with some of the other great podcast, herbal podcasts that um, are available for people to listen to. You can find me, Brigid, uh, uh, with the tag Solidago Herb School on Instagram or Facebook or my website. You can sign up for an informational and inspirational newsletter, which I am going to be sending out here in the near future. I kind of took a break from the newsletters because I was working on some other projects, but those are winding up and now I can focus on some other things. So I also just want to thank you so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs.